Well, I'm sure your teammates, Tom, could have lived without that verbal shellacking that you gave them, trying to motivate them yesterday. Can you tell us what happened? I don't know if it's motivation, but I do think that it's a bad day when there's more F-bombs than touchdowns. So <laughs> that was not one of my better days. It's all good. You know, I think I have a great rapport with all my teammates and they know that the only reason why I'm doing it is to try to motivate them and try to get us to a higher level. It's nothing that I don't say, you know, if I don't feel like we're living up to the expectations and playing up to the expectations that we're capable, then it's that's my job. You know, I'm a quarterback. I'm, I'm not expecting the right tackle to do it. I'm not expecting the the running back to do it. I'm not expecting the, you know, the receiver, the receiver to do it. I'm expecting myself to do it. I'm the one out there speaking in the huddle, calling the plays. That's what my job is to try to get us going and to try to rally us. And there's a lot of ways to do it. Sometimes it's some positive encouragement, which you do a lot. Sometimes it's, you know, getting on people and trying to raise the level of the sense of urgency and raising my voice and trying to create a different vibration for the whole offense. And that's ultimately what you're trying to do. I love seeing the guy walk by in the background with his mouthpiece thinking, glad that ain't me. Yeah, right. But right. Uh, uh, Tom Brady from his Let's Go podcast with Jim Gray. And look, Chris, I this didn't come up directly last night. At least I don't think it did in the podcast. It isn't in the quotes that SiriusXM sends out every Monday night, which is useful. Makes it easier for me. I don't have to go spend 45 minutes listening to a podcast that I'd otherwise not really be inclined to listen to. But how are they not giving him the side eye on Sunday when he's F-bombing them, when he checked out Friday night and didn't show up for meetings and walk through practice on Saturday morning? And I know Todd Bowles said yesterday, oh, he, was, he, he didn't miss anything. Well, he did. You, 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 you scheduled those events for a reason, a walkthrough on Saturday morning and meetings on Saturday morning, and he's not there. I mean, if your quarterback's not there, I think it at some level undermines his authority to drop F-bombs on the guys who were there. How does it not? Well, I, I understand. But I do think this is a case, first off, I, you know, Tom Brady said it right in a lot of ways. You know, he, he's got a great relationship and rapport with people. He's a great leader. You know, I'm sure he says a lot of positive things. That was a time where things weren't looking good. He was trying to do anything he could to kind of, you know, jumpstart the football team, give them an edge. And I'm not going to be mad at him for that. Is it weird I mean, it's all weird. The whole year's been weird. 11-day absence in training camp, Friday flight, party, miss Saturday, walk through, all that. Yes, it's weird, especially from a guy like Tom Brady, who we know is all in all the time. And we've had two moments this year where we'd go, wait, that doesn't seem all in. But, you know, it also is Tom Brady. And even though, you know, you would think most cases, yes, you do give him the side eye, Mike, to your point. Here's one where this guy, where he's got enough pelts on the horse or the wall or wherever the hell you want to put it, to go, eh, it's okay. It, it, it is okay, even though it's, we're not accustomed to it. Like, he's, he's earned the right to be where he's at right now, at least for my money, and, and talk and, and do some of the things that he's done. Uh, but it is strange, nonetheless. Big picture, he's earned the right. But when you get into the week-in and week-out grind yeah. of the football season, mm -hmm. that all falls away. And that's where it kind of came up the head. Kevin Durant on the podcast, and Tom Brady started talking about the commitment that you have to make for football season. It's like being deployed overseas in the military. You're just gone, and you try to find this balance. And he was dangerously close to mentioning, for example, this weekend I struck the balance by telling my team, I'll see you in Pittsburgh have fun at practice on Saturday morning when you'd rather be sleeping 
or sitting in meetings when you'd rather be watching TV with your family or hanging out or just being home or being anywhere but at work. I'll be in New York City. Have a good time. Like, I, and, and this gets back to Miles Simmons said this yesterday. He said it all in the statement that was issued when he retired on February 1. He can no longer make the full commitment. Fine. You can't make the full commitment. Well, he's back, and he still can't make the full commitment. And, and at some point, at some point, it's not going to matter that he's got enough pelts for the horse and the wall and the roof and the basement. It's not going to matter. What matters is this team, this year, these Buccaneers, are they doing enough to win games to justify everything they put into it? And at some point, they are going to give him the side eye. At some point, he's not going to have the authority that he ordinarily would have had. And I think that's the key. He's right. The quarterback's the one who has to do this. But the quarterback's got to be there. you got to be there for everything to have that voice that really carries and resonates with your teammates. Well, it, it, yes. You know, I don't think we're at that point yet. And, you know, to your point, too, like, you know, when you're going to do that, too, you got to play well. And, again, it, it's, it's the whole offense is not playing well. But Brady's certainly not doing anything special either. You know, as we saw there in, in the game on, on Sunday, you know, there's a lot of pressure. He wasn't hit a ton, but he had people around him. And that's where just, you know, his age does show in games like that. He gets antsy. He gets jumpy. He can't see clearly down the field. He misses throws he shouldn't miss. You know, again, I don't even know, Mike, and I'm not – I'm just off the top of my head. I don't – did they sack him the other day in the game? If they did, it was Twice. one – two sacks. They did. They got two, two sacks. sacks. But it was yeah. a lot of like this where, yeah, he wasn't going to be able to sit there all day and bite, bake a cake, but like right there, that, that throw should be hit. I mean, okay, whoop did he do He had to step up in the pocket. The guy was an in-cut wide open. But because Brady was – you know, flinchy throughout the day, and everybody saw it. I mean, anybody that watched that game, I know here we were watching it in NBC, everybody was going, man, Brady's having one of those days where he's he's flinching and moving in the pocket and there's nobody within six feet of him at times. And, you know, that's where if you have too many of those performances added up to the things you're talking about, Mike, that's where you're going to start to get the side eye. But I don't think we're there yet. I don't think we are because there's a lot of issues with their football team across the board, and that's where it's also weird that – yeah, he's not there because they, they need the extra leadership and the extra kick in the ass right now, and there is something missing. And for you know Brady not to be there on a Saturday walkthrough, I know it's not the biggest deal, but his energy and the things that he does bring to the table that are special, you know, th- that goes missed. I don't care what anybody says on a Saturday. To not have Brady there, I'm sure guys are like, hey, where's Tom, where's Tom, where's Tom, where's Tom, where's Tom? They don't know. And it doesn't have the same pizzazz and feel to it as it does when the starter's there, the leader of your team. So, you know, I I hear what you're saying, Mike. It's certainly strange. It sends a message that we're going to Pittsburgh to check the box against a cream puff. They were favored by nine and a half points. Biggest upset of the year so far based upon point spread. It closed at nine and a half, and the Steelers won the game outright 20 to 18. So uh, complacency taking the win for granted, whatever it may be, the, the timing just wasn't right. And I'd love to know the full story on Brady deciding he was going to go and and whether he was going to just fly back Friday night. When I saw he was at the Robert Kraft wedding in New York City on Friday, I just assumed when it's take all the over, private plane. he gets back on the private right. plane, sleeps a little bit, watches film, does whatever, and – and is there with the team on Saturday and then flies back to Pittsburgh with the team. I would have never dreamed that he was just going to 
stay in the area, not like it's in the area. It's still 400 miles away. So it, it, the whole thing was weird. Here's Todd Bowles from yesterday on the question of whether or not Tom Brady is getting special treatment. He works as hard as anybody, you know, special treatment. There's been a few guys that's missed some meetings and some practices for some special thing that just doesn't get publicized because they're not him. So it kind of comes with the territory. You, you don't worry about it too much. Is he as locked in as he's been in the past with you? Yes. I would love to hear Bruce Arians on this topic. This is when I wish he was still the head coach because that was one of the big things that was eye-opening in 2020. Well, he gave no free he passes. Was, he was riding Tom Brady, exactly. blaming him for interceptions that weren't even his fault. Yeah, a, a ball that goes off the hands of a receiver and gets picked off, and he blamed it on Tom Brady. Got to play better. He, Can't throw that. Can't do that in that moment. Yeah, yeah he and, was great. What, yeah. what? What? I mean, God, what would Arians be saying about this? And what would Arians say if Tom Brady came to him and said, "Hey, you know, Coach, I know we got meetings and walkthrough on Saturday morning, but uh, I, I'm going to the owner's wedding." Oh, oh, uh, Glazers getting married? No, not the owner of this team. The owner of the team I used to play for. I mean, what would Arians say to that? So uh, there's something missing there. Now, they're 3-3. Three and three. they got 11 games left. It's all in front of them. We'll see if they can get it together. Remember, two years ago, they got it together coming out of their bye week. They were above 500, barely 7-5 and five going into the bye, and then won four in a row on the back end back when it was 16 games. So they still maybe can get it together, but it's just it gets back to what we were talking about last segment. The older quarterbacks are are falling apart before our eyes. Yeah. And well, uh, for seeing, different reasons and in different ways. Right, but right. but the golden age of quarterbacking is ending. Well, you're seeing that they need support systems. And, and you know, maybe that's, that's something, you know, you and I, and you know I have, I've tried to explain that to people. They're, they're not capable of when the team is a little less than to make anything happen. It kind of has to be a certain formula for them to succeed. And that's to me where they're different than – you know, some of the young guns in the sport where they're like, oh, I'm missing four all linemen. It doesn't matter. I'm Mahomes. I'm Allen. I'm Lamar. I'm Burrow. Burrow hasn't been protected one drop back past the whole season. It doesn't matter. Nobody cares because he makes it happen and makes plays and whatever. So, you know, that there there is a difference there. But yeah, the Brady thing and, and the Bucks, it's it, it definitely has hit the point a little bit of where, you know, you kept going, they'll get it turned around. They'll get it turned around to where you start to go, huh, I don't know. Maybe this is their current team. They're not very dominant and and like out hitting people and causing turnovers on the defensive side of the ball. Offensively, the all line is not the same. Mike Evans looks like he's lost a half a step. Chris Godwin's not a hundred percent. There's no Gronk and the other receivers and Russell Gage and company. Nobody's really jumped out yet. So that's where I go. I don't know. I just don't know if they're going to be able to turn it around. And, and Mike, hear me out with this thing, too, with the Bulls thing. Like, why not? I understand he's right. There's guys that probably missed meetings and all that. And, and, and you know, they're not Tom Brady, so nobody writes about it in the newspaper. But, like, why not just go, yeah, he does get special treatment. Uh, I, again, to a degree, he gets some things that the rest of us don't. He's earned that. That's fine. Most people in the locker room know that. I played on a team with guys like Rondé Barber and Derek Brooks and Warren Sapp. Did I think I was going to be able to get away with the same shit that they could get away with? Absolutely not. Yes, they got preferential treatment. You know, I think sometimes by, by or trying to avoid that, you actually open up a can of words for us to talk about it more. Where if you just said, yeah, you know, he's been playing in this league for 22 years and he's got more Super Bowl rings than any of us and he works hard and, yep, Brady gets to break a rule 
every now and then compared to the rest of the football team. I don't think anybody would have had an issue. I don't know. Am I wrong by that? I agree with you completely yeah. because it hurts Todd Bowles' credibility it does. to not say what right. we all know. Right. Or just say, hey, look, this was the deal when he came back. We had to choose between Tom Brady trading for someone, drafting someone, Blaine Gabbert, right? Kyle Trask. <laughs> <laughs> we had to make a choice. So if the choice is this is the only way we get Tom Brady and fill up the seats with asses and not empty red seats that everyone can see on the Fox broadcast of the game where nobody's here because they don't want to come see anybody but Tom Brady, we're going to do what we have to do to get Tom Brady. That's his deal. That's that's the deal. We did this deal. We weren't going to tell him no. We can't tell him no because we told him yes on his way back through the door when he had retired and couldn't get to Miami. Um, all right. Uh, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. The, all is not perfect there Uh-oh. either. After the game on Sunday, the 27-10 loss to the Jets. I mean, one of the worst losses the Packers have had in the last 30 years, in my opinion, Chris. Think about it. They had the continuous chain of Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. You don't see the Packers get their asses kicked by an ordinary team at home. They've had losses at home. They've sure. had playoff losses at home. Right. But you don't see them lose 27-10 at home to a team that is still finding its footing right. and has been downtrodden for years. You right. don't see that. Right. We did see it. Yeah. So Aaron Rodgers says we need to simplify some things on offense. That was his mantra after the game on Sunday. On Monday, Coach Matt LaFleur was asked about it. Let's have a listen to what Matt LaFleur had to say. I don't know what that means. So, uh, no, we talked about it. It's just any time that there's a lack of execution, and certainly we got to coach better, no doubt about it. We've got to put our guys in better positions. Um, just communication from top down and then out on the field, uh, you know, has got to be better. we got to get everybody on the same page. And then, to me, it's, it's more about digging at the details of what we're doing. What's funny to me is he was specifically asked about the Aaron Rodgers comment. Uh He delivered that line at the beginning. Uh I've been waiting all day to say this, right? Right. Right. It's Monday. It's the day after the game. You've known you could have prepared the answer, right? That's the number one thing. Go ahead, Mike. And we've talked about it. And And he said we've talked about it. Right. So, I mean, he's he I think the moment he heard that on Sunday, he got pissed off. And Matt LaFleur is very good about keeping it close to the vest and staying at least for the public eye. But the way he delivered it with a smile on his face, like, I've been workshopping this, I've been waiting, and this is my message back to Aaron Rodgers. If he's going to use the media to send messages, I'm going to send messages back to him too. I don't know what the hell you're talking about, Aaron Rodgers. And I wonder if, like, did they talk about it after the game, or does he mean that they've talked about this before? Like, that's one of those two there where I go, I don't know if he meant, like, they talked about it right after the game. I don't. You know, I wonder if they had had that conversation up to that point in between the game and that press conference. You know, I can imagine maybe it happened earlier in the week or something like that, but that comment wasn't made publicly by then either. You know, there's a very real chance that, again, head coach in the NFL, game's over. You know, you might not have said more than Aaron Rodgers. It's like, hey, you know, let's keep working, blah, blah, blah. Monday morning, you come in, you watch the film. And he probably watches it with the quarterback coach, offensive coordinator, head coach might not be a part of that to where 
there hasn't been that conversation. I'm just, you know, giving everybody a peek behind the curtain there. But I've, I found that to be an interesting way to start that answer, to your point, Mike. No doubt about to me, it. And, and, again, I don't want to read too much into it, but I think Matt LaFleur wants us to read something into it. I would agree. Have delivered it with a smile on his face. And I think the message is this. You know what? I'm going to be the coach of this team a hell of a lot longer, knock on wood, than Aaron Rodgers is going to be the quarterback. So I've got to have the best interest of this team in mind, and I'm not going to let a cranky old man yelling at clouds, not happy as the plane lands on his career, disrupt what I have going on here. And I got something good going on here, and I'm going to transition to another quarterback probably by next year. So this is my team, not his team. Let's not get that confused. I'm the coach. He's the quarterback, and he can rant and rave all he wants about whatever crazy, stupid shit he wants to rant and rave about, rave about but I'm the coach. This is my team, and this is how things work. And, and I feel like that's the, the hidden, deeper message that he kind of wants us to drill down to. He will be there if he continues to coach the way he has yeah. for years after Aaron Rodgers is gone. So, you know, and maybe you get to a point where – and I think this is true in any relationship. Yeah. Threatening to leave. Threatening to leave. I'm going to yeah, leave. Sure. I've had enough. I'm threatening to leave. You get to a point where you say, get the f- yeah. out of here. Then. Right. Just go. Right. Just go. Right. I'm sick of this. Just go. Well, I, 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 I don't doubt that. I think you're right. And I think that's probably where he's got to be like, to your point, where, wait, I'm going to be here for a while. This is a guy that, for, you know, with all due respect, he might leave this year. I mean, he might leave after the year. We don't know. I think we all think it's coming to an end here with Aaron Rodgers. He's not going to hang around too much longer. He's just not. But I know, think they're going to stop kissing his ass the way that they have. I think they're ready. I well, think they, they knew how to get Brett Favre out of there when they were ready for him to go. Well, I think they're ready. I, that, that's, that's the really deep core. That's the Tootsie Roll center of the Tootsie Pop for Matt LaFleur. He's ready for Aaron Rodgers to leave. Well, it, I think that's because he's not afraid yeah. of pissing him off now. No, I, I don't think so either. And you know, it's been through a lot, and he's got to deal with him a lot. And, you know, when you're not thrown for 40 and 5, right, and in the MVP conversation, okay, now you, you don't have as much to stand on here. And that's where, to me, where it's just like it's mind-blowing, Mike, because we've had these conversations on our picks podcast on the show where I just go, I, it's the most simple. I, how much simpler can you get? I, I don't understand what Rodgers wants. I think that's where I question it. You know, that's where it doesn't, to me, it just doesn't connect. I I, t- everybody watching the Packers, study them. You watch them, everything. We're all going, it, could it get any simpler? I mean, three-yard pass here, run up the middle. Three-yard pass here, run up the middle. I mean, I, I, I'm from the church of, holy crap, you got to do a whole lot more. I mean, you, you give nothing, that you give nobody, anybody to think about on the defensive side of the ball. The Giants shut you out in the second half. You know, you were simple. You ran a go route and a slant route. It was as simple as it gets. I don't know. You know, what, I, that's where I, I – he he wants it, in, in my opinion, to be about him, and he wants it, wait, I want to be able to audible to the play I want. Everybody stay stationary so I can throw a five-yard completion somewhere. And Matt LaFleur's going, okay, that might be good for your completion percentage and quarterback rating, but we got to start making plays and winning games, so i got to go motion and shifts. And that doesn't necessarily make things complicated. I, I, that's where I don't, I don't understand it. And, and on top of that, I also wanted to say, okay, 
Again, I just like to remind everybody, I love Aaron Rodgers, but damn, if you want it simpler, you should have been there in the OTAs to talk about let's be simpler. Uh, that's where I come back to that kind of crap, and I just don't want to hear it sometimes. Yeah, I mean, calling out the receivers for not developing fast enough when you had a golden opportunity to spend time with them during the OTAs and gather them wherever, Peru for ayahuasca or wherever he stays in the offseason, California or wherever. I mean, Patrick Mahomes did that, got his guys together in Texas and was there for the OTAs. And, you know, we're so programmed to sell as voluntary. They don't have to be there. They got to pay the guy $50 million a year. How many more million do they have to pay him to be all in, truly all in, and be there in a critical year of transition from Devontae Adams to who? Alan Lazard, he hasn't stepped up the way that we thought. Where, where is the guy that's even going to begin to remotely fill the shoes of Devontae Adams? We haven't seen it, and one of the reasons we haven't seen it is because Rodgers wasn't there to be as accessible and available. And, and as I've said before, your guys are less likely to freak out at training camp. You get through all that with OTAs. You get through all that bringing them all together. And you get to know me. Don't be freaked out by my persona. Yeah, I, I hear you. You're right. I, and, 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 when I, and when I hear this, we need to simplify the offense, this reminds me of the Lawrence Taylor comments to Bill Parcells when all these guys seem younger and faster, what's going on? And Parcells told him, it's you. And maybe that's at the core of what's going on here. It's not the offense needs to be simplified or it needs to be this or it needs to be that. It may just be getting to the point where it's Aaron Rodgers. And that's- just like Brett Favre, he's become Brett Favre where he's been talking and talking and talking about retiring, and it may be – the point where he needs to. I, I I don't know if you're you know totally wrong there. You know again, it, it, you you've heard you've heard me say here for a while. It's it's got to be more aggressive. There's too many people that I go that guy's open and you're Aaron Rodgers and you need to throw that ball in there. And I don't know, Mike. My, my, I don't know. You know, my theory a little bit with this the Rodgers thing too that I think's really popped in my brain over the last year is, you know, it's a it's a protection of his pedestal that's going on right now, at least in my opinion, as far as the way he's playing on the offense. Like, he knows he's not going to catch Brady with the Super Bowls, but his thing is quarterback rating and interception to touchdown ratio. It blows people out of the water. It's the greatest of all time. And I feel like he's a little bit protective of that. And I can't help to say or think that when I watch film – A lot of the times when I've showed plays here, right, where I go, look, this guy's open and he's already throwing it to the flat or checking it down, I just I got to think there's a part of him that's just go, you know, or at least to me that's going, wait, let me just get my completion, my quarterback rating, it's safe, it's easy, all of that. And I don't know, there's just a part of me that, that believes that as I watch him and watch him play that way. Not that long ago, he made the argument about being considered one of the greatest of all time. I can't remember the setting. I need to find it now. But to your point, when you don't have the championships, when you don't have the all-time records, you need to have something that becomes exhibit A for your argument that you're the greatest of all time. And it's the things that you were talking about. Let me throw this at you because I'm looking at the Packers schedule. They have a bye week 14. We're, we're going to know who the Packers are or aren't by week 14. We're going to know. Right now, they're 3-3, three and three, middle of the pack. It's going to break one way or the other. And they got some tough games coming up. They go to Buffalo on NBC in 12 days. Mm-hmm. If we were setting odds right now, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, chance of one of those guys tapping out and walking away during the season. <laughs> 
Which of the two, if I told you one of the two was going to do it, which of the two is more likely right now to do it? That's a good question. I mean, I feel like normally I would feel like it's, it's, it's Rodgers that would be that guy. But because of this year and some of the off-the-field stuff and that it's hitting home and personal stuff with Brady, like I know what you're getting at, but I, I think because of that issue there, this is like the one year that I feel maybe it might be Brady just because I feel like, again, I don't know this, but it seems like you know his wife is threatening divorce or they're going down that road there. I mean, by, by all due accounts of what you read in tabloids and any other gossip thing in, in Hollywood or whatever. So that's the only reason. I, to your point, I know what you mean. I think usually Rodgers is more the guy to be renegade to be like, I'm out of here. Screw this. I've had enough. I'm out of here. But this is a weird year to where we're seeing Brady do weird crap and having re- you know personal issues that makes me think it might be him on this year. What, what about you? Well, I had thought all along there's a chance Brady checks out for good during the season, and I still think there's a chance that happens. But this whole LaFleur thing from yesterday – I I watched it yesterday, and it didn't strike me like it struck me today. It's almost like LaFleur is daring him to put up or shut up. That if you have that big of a problem, just go. Just go. We'll, we'll pivot to Jordan Love. Well, what does that mean? Have, it's such a have, strong comment. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, I don't know what that means. Right. That's a strong comment, I, really. With a smile. Yeah. I don't know what that means. Yeah. Like this guy's this guy's kind of lost his marbles a little bit. Like I don't know what I don't know what stick is up his ass. But there always is one. Hey, and you know what? We'll we'll see what he has to say on McAfee's show later today. He gets a chance to respond to Matt Lafleur today. So I I they won't, won't be ask him. They Listen, won't ask him. I I I I'm just. I don't know what's going to happen. We never know what's going to happen. We've seen some crazy things happen in the NFL. All I'm saying is, it makes sense to wonder: Does one of these two guys say, "I'm out of here"? before the season even ends. That would be unprecedented, wouldn't it? It would be, yeah. We've seen some unprecedented stuff already this year. Let's take a break. We'll recap week six with a game of Take Your Pick when PFT Live, presented by Google Pixel, continues right now. Jackson a shotgun set, call signals, takes the snap, he's back to throw. Under pressure, hit by Thibodeau, ball comes loose, and the Giants scramble for it. It's still loose, and finally recovered by the Giants. Zach Wilson takes the snap, counter handoff, up the middle goes three side. He's at the 30, not the 25-20, right side 15, 10, 5, touchdown! A little counter inside handoff to Brees Hall who finds some Jet fans in the crowd and does a Jet slam leave. Great time in New York, 2008 all over again. Oh, I remember baby. back in 2008, Chris. Yeah. You were still playing then, so I don't know how much you were paying attention to your New York Giants when you were with your Tennessee Titans. I was, right. right. Titans, Titans that, that year? year? Yeah. That was the year they ended up with a one seed. They desecrated the terrible towel and then exactly. they went into a tailspin. Yeah. But there was a period of time where it felt like yeah, and I remember having to ask the NFL, what's the plan if the shared stadium has to be used for the AFC and NFC championship games? That's how good the Giants and Jets were deep into the season. But the Jets, after beating, wasn't it the Titans to go 8-3? and three? Wasn't that the game? Well, Was it a it, Thursday night game? They were The Jets were looking really good, and then it fell apart. And then 
The Giants had the Plexico Burris, shot himself in the leg incident around Thanksgiving. That's what threw those two teams off the right. last year. They both were really good. Right, 2008. So we were, we were the Tennessee Titans were 10-0 and and lost to the Jets, who I think at that time were like 8-3 and or whatever, yeah. on a Sunday afternoon, and Brett Favre and oh, company came into town. Right. They they upset us, gave us our first loss of the year, and then they kind of like fell apart after that game down the stretch, which was kind of shocking torn to biceps. see. Right, right. Partially torn biceps by yeah. Favre that they hid, they lied about, and he talked about it so much the next year, the NFL went back and fined everyone, coach, GM, team, because Favre kept talking about his partially torn biceps because that was his excuse for it all falling apart. Yeah, right, anyway, right. That trip down memory lane. That was a good trip, though. I like it. All right. Which team do you believe in more right now, the Jets or the Giants? Mm, I, this is this is a great question. I, I, I'm i more excited about the Jets' talent on their team and the way they look for the future. But as far as, like, right now, I guess I have more confidence on the Giants. The Giants have a style of play that I think is just really conducive to what their team is. And they know who they are. And every game has – pretty much something similar it's close it's ugly and they're going to try to win it down the stretch they have a little bit more of a favorable schedule too that makes me feel more comfortable with them the Jets I'm excited about their young talent but I don't know if I believe it's quite as sustainable it's a little bit hey the Browns they got a little lucky we know that you know the the Dolphins it's 19 to 17 against a third string quarterback with like nine minutes left in the game and, yeah, they made some plays in the third-string quarterback finally messed up. Last week, you know, block punt. And, you know, and so I, I guess it's just I feel a little more spotty with the Jets, if that makes sense, Mike. And they have a tougher schedule here, too, coming up. So uh, I guess it's the Giants just because I guess I just believe in the formula a little bit more maybe than the, the Jets right now. The Jets still have the Bills twice, but the Giants still have the Eagles twice, and they don't get together until, like, late in the season for the first time. With the Jets, I feel like they're ascending, that the talent, the young talent is coalescing. Right. With the Giants, it's just Brian Dayball making the ultimate batch of chicken salad. I think so. That's what I mean. With the Gettleman roster. Yeah. And and it's amazing to see, and I think you put him in the NFC, and it's a little more wide open there, although it's more wide open in the AFC than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I think the Giants a little bit because they feel like they're a finished product that can keep doing it with the Jets. I really don't know what they are, but I feel like there's a chance they're going to get better and better before our eyes. I think so, too. Which Super Bowl 56 teams, 3-3 and start, is more concerning to you, the Bengals or the Rams? Uh, The Rams, the Rams. I mean, the Bengals we know is concerning, but I'm going to pick the Rams there. I mean, Rams defense is still real good. It's not as dominant as it was. You know, offensively, it's just, it's the crap show. I mean, it's it's horrible offensive line play. They can't run the ball, you know, and they're missing firepower. Uh, you know, hey, I mean, we finally saw you know, Allen Robinson the other day, so that was good and encouraging. But yeah, I have I, I'm 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 more concerned about them. The Bengals, the defense is really good. We saw last week uh, they got firepower. I mean, again, Joe Burrow, you heard me on Sunday, Mike. He escaped out of five or six plays where I go, I, I don't know how he got out of that. He was supposed to be sacked and lose 10 yards. He ran for a touchdown. He was supposed to be sacked and lose 10 yards, and he scrambled for a first down. He was supposed to be sacked and lose 10 yards, and he threw a 15-yard completion. And then they have Jamar Chase and Higgins and all that to go with it to where that's why I'm more concerned about the Rams. How about you? That ga- I'm, I agree with you. That, that game-winning play, the throw to uh, Jamar Chase, it's just it was like – 
Why don't they do that every play? I, <laughs> it looks so easy. You know? I and, know. And, and, and I think the Bengals are much closer to figuring it out. Yeah, than I, the get Rams. You. I get you. The Rams you. are all over the place, and you throw in this Cam Akers drama. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, how do I put this delicately? Cam Akers may not be the last to come to the conclusion that I've had enough of this. Oh, you think so, there's a, you think there's a little bit of a things are gotten stale there in LA where I, guys I think, are like, I think the message is starting to become diluted that people that the, the whole Sean McVay shtick is starting to wear on some guys, I think. I don't know, but I think it's starting to wear on some guys. So let's monitor uh whether or not they can hold it together. Uh because it's just you know this is year six now is it year six yeah something let's 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 see there's a chance cam Akers will not be the last to one out of la which by all appearances is exactly what's caused this that Akers just decided i've had enough i want out all right when mac jones is healthy who should be the patriots starting quarterback mac jones or bailey zappi yeah i i mean i'm a i'm mac jones i'm 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 definitive in that now, I will say that, like, don't bring them back at 90% or anything. It is one of those where there's no reason to rush. You know, throw him, get him back out there when he's totally ready to go. Um, but, you know, Zappy's doing really well. He's playing good football. There's no doubt about it. He is, and he made some nice throws again in the game the other day. It did. You know, the, the Browns sold out to stop the run and made some life easy on him, but still, I'm not taking anything away from him. But he's not Mac Jones, at least in my opinion. He's not. Mac Jones, is he's a better athlete. He's a bigger guy. He's got a better arm. He's got a quicker release. You know, the only thing, we're, only reason we're questioning this is because Mac Jones threw some dumb interceptions early in the year that make us go, man, he wasn't playing the best. What the hell? But the Patriots, I think, are a little bit more, as you've always said, it's September. The Patriots figure it out, or they always their time to figure it out. You said it last week before you picked the game. I think the Patriots have slowly, you know, figured things out and figured out how they want to play. So it's all just come to a right spot here, and Bailey Zappi's the quarterback. But I'm going to still go with Mac Jones when he gets back and ready to go. I agree with you, but. I know, but. but. Something's going on there. Yeah. And I wouldn't say it if I didn't know it. Now, there's nothing to report definitive, and it's odd to me because, again, it's like they're coming off an assembly line. They're robots. They're not programmed to be anything but happy and compliant with the way things are. But something's going on. Mac Jones, I believe, may not be as thrilled as he would say publicly. And how could you be thrilled going from Josh McDaniels to Frankenstein monster approach on offense with guys who don't have an offensive pedigree or expertise? How could you be happy about that if you're Mac Jones? I hear Bailey you. Zappi right. doesn't know the difference. Right. Bailey Zappi was in college last year. He wasn't there for Josh McDaniels. Right. So right. something oh, I, I just something is amiss. And it 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 won't matter because I feel like they can win with either guy because the defense is getting better and better well, in the running game, as yeah. you say all the time. The running game, it doesn't matter who your quarterback is if your running game is unstoppable. It is exactly right. I mean, it, it's arguably the hottest running game in football. I mean, some of the plays, too, in the game, I watched that back yesterday. They're, they're comical. I mean, the Browns have seven guys on the line of scrimmage, right? I mean, it, nine guys within three yards of the ball because they're going, oh, my gosh, we know they're going to run it, and they're going to run it, and they're going to run it for five yards up the middle. 
you know, which led to some, you know, nice Bailey Zappi plays. But, I, you know, again, like we talked about, hey, this was a crazy offseason, all that. Yes, we know it. But, Dan, I don't know why, you know, I understand Mac Jones being uncomfortable with the switch, but also – like all of us, just like it's Bill Belichick. He always seems to figure it out. And here we go with the offense. It's kind of starting to go here. So he better jump on the train and start believing with this Frankenstein approach because, like you said, they're, they're playing good enough ball where they're going to win with Bailey Zappi. So he better, you know, jump on or get the hell out of here. All right, we need to get the hell out of here for a couple minutes when we return. Injury updates coming out of week six. PFT Live presented by Google Pixel back right after this. trade a direct result of worrying that you weren't going to have Hollywood for? Yeah, I think so. Um, had an opportunity to get a guy bring some speed and, and um, that dynamic that Hollywood has and uh, so we'll kind of see where he fits in and just for the long term uh, with guys getting hurt, we need some more uh, wideouts in here. Cliff Kingsbury from 10-2 and two last year to 2-4 and four this year. Short week, Thursday night. DeAndre Hopkins is back from his six-game PED policy suspension. Hollywood Brown out. He's expected to miss about six weeks. Robbie Anderson, disgruntled, gets the get-out-of-jail-free card from Carolina. I think other guys on that team may be thinking, that's all I got to do is get kicked off the sideline and I get the hell out of here. Maybe that's the path that I need to take. Anderson traded yesterday by the Panthers to the Cardinals who, again, have to get it together. they got to get some answers. We saw them week eight last year on a Thursday night. They were unbeaten at the time. Um, this time around, far from unbeaten as they take on the Saints. So they got they got some answers they got to find quickly, Chris. I mean, they, there's no question. I mean, it's, it's the pressure's on. Not only losing games, but, like, the, the offense looks like crap. I mean, they obviously need some help here. Uh, I mean, I, it's, it's really astounding. Again, the, the three points, three points on the offensive side of the ball against the Seattle Seahawks defense. I mean, the Seattle Seahawks defense stinks. It stinks. And then, like, your biggest play of the day is just, you know, Kyler Murray broke a play early in the game and had a big run. That's it? Your only touchdown is off a block punt because they mess up the pass protect. I mean, the punt protection, I, it's, it's just, it's, it's like, it's embarrassing how they look on that side of the ball. That's where I get into a little bit with back to our protecting the quarterback stuff and all that. I want to go, there's enough quarterbacks to go around. There ain't enough good offensive coordinators to go around. Now, that's the biggest issue in our sport right now. But, damn, Mike, yeah, I mean, I, I don't blame them for making this move. They're obviously going to just rely on guys making plays. That's kind of what they do in Arizona. This may be a topic for later in the week, yeah. but I'm starting to wonder whether or not Cliff Kingsbury's in trouble, even though he and Steve Kahn were extended through 2027 if it's not guaranteed, who cares? Yeah, we never, right? we never yeah. heard any details exactly. about the contracts. All say. we heard is they're extended through 2027 at a time when they were desperate to try to get Kyler Murray signed. And Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury kind of joined at the hip because they have the same agent. And it would be awkward to say the least if Cliff Kingsbury were fired. But if it's not working for Kyler Murray, there's a point where the agent may be thinking, uh, I don't know, Sean Payton could come in and make this work. He made it work with a short quarterback in New Orleans. And I'd never thought of Sean Payton as the head coach of the Cardinals. But, you know, it'd be interesting to see what Kyler Murray would do in a Sean Payton offense. But that, that, that may be a topic for later in the week. I didn't mean to go down that path, especially on a day when we're woefully behind already. Carson Wentz, the 
Washington Commanders quarterback Jeez. had surgery on a fractured ring finger. He will miss four to six weeks. That means Taylor Heineke, backed up by the John Belushi lookalike rookie Sam Howell, will uh, be the quarterbacks in Washington, just as they were finally starting to get it together, too. I know. Yeah, it's a shame. Poor Carson Wentz. I mean, it just, you know, the way he plays football and because he's so tough hanging in the pocket, man, he, he takes a lot of hits. He gets beat up. Ring finger's tough. You know, thumb, ring finger, probably the two most important fingers in the grip. You know, you know, guys, that ring finger, it's on the lace of the football. It's huge there. Thumb, like Dak Prescott's dealing with, that's, you know, the other anchor there. So uh, that's not going to be an easy one to come back from. Definitely not. And you're right. I mean, the offense wasn't pretty the other night, but they got a win, you know, had a little positive vibes here, and now they're going to kind of have to reinvent themselves for Taylor Heineke where they, they can't expect Taylor Heineke. They're going to have to play a little different. He's not going to be able to stand in the pocket and make some of the throws Carson Wentz does or call some of the plays that are down the field, pushing the ball down that way. So that's where it'll be, be interesting to see what Washington's approach is and how they look on offense with Heineke. They know what they have in Heineke. Yeah. They Let's do. see what you have in Sam Howell. Let's see what Sam Howell can do at some point. Maybe you see if Heineke can hold it together short term and get a couple wins, get you to 500. Yeah, I, I hear know. you. Right. Hold right. it together until Wentz comes back. At some point, though, you just got to you gotta say, eh, we're not going anywhere this year. Let's see what we have in Sam Howell. Maybe he can become a guy that turns this thing around. All right, let's take a break. They are trying to turn things around in Houston, and they will be doing it without a key executive who felt like he was going to be there for life. Big change for the Texans. We'll talk about that when PFT Live, presented by Google Pixel, continues right after this. On Monday, the Houston Texans parted ways with Executive VP of Football Operations, Jack Easterby. They call it mutual. Our good friend John McClain, formerly the Houston Chronicle, says it's anything but mutual. He was fired. And he used to be a controversial figure because it seemed like he was woefully unqualified for the job that he held. People are like, well, why are you giving him a hard time? Well, you know what? Because there's other people out there who are qualified, who aren't getting the opportunity, who deserve the opportunity, who have put in the time, have acquired the skills and the experience, and would be far better suited than a guy who just kind of finagled his way into a spot where he was able to snake charm an owner into entrusting him with the entire football operation. So now Easterby is out. A couple of people I trust have said, Keep an eye on Carolina as a possible destination. Although, talk about the premise for a sitcom. David Tepper and Jack Easterby, good God. But, Chris, this is and, – and I don't know how much of this ties to Deshaun Watson, but somebody's got to take the fall for 30 settlements that the Texans had to make with people who were claiming, apparently persuasively, that the Texans knew or should have known what Deshaun Watson was doing, and instead of telling him to stop – they gave him, hey, here, here, use this non-disclosure agreement so no one can say what goes on in those massage rooms. Yeah, I, I, hey, it's all weird. I, I mean, of course that aspect's weird. You know, it's a, it's a, it's hard to not believe that the Texans didn't realize, wait, why does he need a new masseuse every other week or every week? Why does he need a new one? I mean, yeah, th th there had to be some warning signs there. I don't know if we blame Jack Easterby for that. I understand. He's ultimately in charge of the I football know. operation. I get it. Listen, the whole thing, Jack Easterby, I, I, yeah, I don't know how he became in charge of that. He's one of the weirdest enigmas in football. I mean, people don't know a lot about him. Most people don't think he's nearly qualified to have that job that he just held there with Houston. And, yes, it seems like 
his reputation is that of a city slicker a little bit, but I don't know if he's from a big city. Either way, he's got a smooth mouthpiece, that's for sure. Somewhere somewhere down in the Carolinas. Yeah. And, and that, you know, we, we see in football all the time the excessive reliance on faith and tying faith and football together. And he really parlayed that, whether authentically or not, into the job that he held. And remember, when they were searching for a GM after the firing of Bill O'Brien, who was doing both things for a while, in that offseason – the search firm, Corn Ferry, did not have Nick Casario on the list, and SI.com reported this very exhaustively and in detail at the time. Easterby went to Cal McNair, and they prayed on it and decided to go hire Nick Casario because, as the theory goes, Easterby knew that if Casario got the job, Easterby stays. If they bring in somebody else to be the GM, Easterby goes then. So he goes now, and we'll see where he goes next. But he's worked for the Chiefs. He's worked for the Patriots. He's worked for the Texans. There's 29 other teams, and all it takes is one to say, I kind of like this guy. I think I'll give him a job. So we'll see if that happens. Let's take a break. When we return, we didn't do the Sunday statement draft yesterday, and since Chris hates the goats in a bad way draft, we'll do Sunday statement one day removed from the usual time when PFT Live presented by Google. PFT Live presented by Google Pixel Sunday Statement Draft. And we have an extra game that we can throw into it now because we're doing it on Tuesday instead of Monday. All right, Chris, give me, you know, the drill. You haven't done this in so long. I don't know how this one works. On Mondays, Sunday Statement, the player, the coach, the team, the unit, whoever that stands out to you as making, wait for it, a statement. Wow. The week mm, that was. Mm, let me see if I can figure this draft out. That's Back from when one. you used to do Monday. This is kind of Monday. Maybe we need to start deferring Sunday statement to Tuesday so you can do it. So it kind of feels like that's, Monday. That's fine. Make Miles do the goats in a bad way. You know, guys are still feeling bad on Monday, so it's okay to kick them while they're down. Tuesday, they're trying to come out of the pause. Like, let's get to the other side of the week here, the next game on the list, and we're still crapping on them. So that's why I don't like goats in a bad way. Um, all right, well, I'm going to go to the biggest game of the day. Josh Allen statement, yes. I mean, again, we knew they were good, but going to Kansas City, win the way they did. You know, again, I think it's a statement of Buffalo without question. It's them or Philadelphia is the best team in football. And, you know, if it isn't for a bunch of injuries and some weird bounces of the ball, they would be undefeated just like Philadelphia with their loss in Miami. But I think not only that with like, hey, we're for real and we're one of the best teams in the league for sure. It just the continued statement of like Josh Allen is every bit up there in the stratosphere of Patrick Mahomes, if not in front of him a little bit right now. Uh, I think that's the statement that's made, and that's where they're just a team on a mission, like we kind of said at the start of the year, Mike. Yeah, and look, that was the, the, the game of the afternoon, and we expected both quarterbacks to be great, and they were, but Josh Allen just a little bit greater, and now the hope is they can parlay the win this year in Kansas City into hosting the playoff game if and when there's a rematch. I'll go Quinn and Williams. A couple of sacks, blocked field goal, just a disruptive force, tackles in the backfield. Yeah. And, when I talked to him after the game about it, you know, a very humble kid. He, he, you know, why are you so much better this year? Because the guys around me are better. It's, sometimes it's that simple. Sometimes you're the same guy, but when everyone around you is better, 
you're better because they have to worry about the other guys. They can't just focus on you all the time. So Quinn and Williams really wreaking havoc on the Packers and unbelievable, unbelievable to see a team like the Jets who have been downtrodden for so long, go into Lambeau field and kick the crap out of the Packers. And then after all these years of the cheese head being a prop for Packers fans, I'd never seen right? a player from the opposing team right. bogart a cheesehead like Sauce Gardner did. You're right, and just parade around the field with it. And, and, and I know I heard Alan Lazard knocked it off. I've yet to see the video of it. I, I'm, I'm surprised it didn't. It wasn't, any, it wasn't anything. Anything bad. It was just he got it, ran up behind him and flipped it off. Yeah, it okay. Wasn't, yeah, it Lazard's a good bad. dude. But you're right. That was a statement nonetheless. I, I mean, to what you said earlier in the show, I don't remember us watching a game in Green Bay a long time and going, man, there's four minutes, three minutes left in the fourth quarter, and here comes the backup quarterback, right? That, that to me, was like, wow, it, it's over. They've thrown in the white towel, and see you next week. So uh, that was a big statement by, by the New York Jets. I'm going to go to the other team in New York. I'm going to go Brian Dayball. I am. I mean, uh, how was that not a statement? For, for the win on Sunday against Baltimore. Again, every week we continue to go, all right, this is the week the Giants lose. They can't do this again. You know, good for you picking, the, picking them to win the game. And I picked them to lose by a field goal because I thought, eh, Lamar will just make one play or two and they won't be able to overcome it. Well, it was the opposite. You know, they made Lamar make some bad plays down the stretch. And Dayball... Just it's a statement of like they know who they are. He knows how to coach. He knows how to run an offense. I heard RG3 make a statement last night. You know how Dayball's a good coach, right? He goes, he's not running the same offense in Buffalo. Yeah, he's, he doesn't got the same crew. He's doing what he's got to do to win with this team. And then you add with what they're doing in the defense, like incredible statement. Five and one Giants, come on. I wouldn't, uh, you could have never dreamed that was going to happen. We, we may need to bring this back for the Picks podcast on Thursday, but you picked 20-17 to 17 as the final score of that game, and I said 24-20, Giants get a late touchdown and win it, and the final score was 24-20, so the blind squirrel gets to eat an acorn. That's twice this year that I've nailed the score of a game, and I don't think I've ever done more than once, so I'm on house money the rest of the year. Maybe I'll get one more before it's all said and done. I'll go Steelers defense. I will, to sound like you. Yes, I will. I'm going Steelers defense because – and look, they had everybody was hurt. The secondary was was and, and Mike Evans got targeted four times. And I asked Cam Hayward after the game what Brian Flores may have done to help them get ready for Tom Brady, since Flores was with Brady and was able to study him all those years in practice at New England. And he said, "Don't don't waste your time trying to disguise anything. You're not going to fool him. You just got to get after him up front without help. Not like they had a lot of help to give. And that that front line stepped up and. That's why Tom Brady was yelling at the offensive linemen. Yeah. Because Cam Hayward and company were kicking their asses all day. That's right. They couldn't run the football. And then, yeah, they made him uncomfortable. And that led to the offense being incredibly spotty and really making no plays throughout the day, which was shocking. Again, when we saw, you know, the Steelers the week before, just every other play give up a bomb to Josh Allen. And it looked like it was a flag football game. So that's where it was. You're right. That was a huge statement. Steelers are unbelievable. It's just it's it's every time you think, all right, it's over. Let's chalk it up. Let's get ready for next year. They just stay alive somehow, some way. Man, I got I mean, Matt Ryan deserves some love. Burrow and Chase, but you know what? I'm gonna go to a different angle here. I'm gonna go I'm gonna give Arthur Smith love. I mean, again, 
last year was amazing. This year, the fact that they're three and three, I, I'm statement in the fact that this is one of the better coaches in football. Statement in the fact that he understands, like a day ball, and what we're talking about, he understands what his team is and understands that he's got to manage the game a certain way for them to win, and that's where they're impressive. You know, they they go in with the appropriate game plan. He knows they can't depend on Marcus Mariota to throw it 40 times. They're crazily stubborn with, we're just going to run the ball for three yards. We're going to run the ball for three yards. We're going to run the ball for three yards. Oh, we might keep it around the edge for Mariota. We're going to run the ball for three yards. Oh, we're going to hit an easy play action pass or a bootleg. I mean, they're very simple that way. And then Dean Pease and the defense are got it going too. So I'm going to give Arthur Smith some love with a statement and big win against the 49ers. You mentioned Matt Ryan. Look, he may no longer be the 11th best quarterback in the NFL, but he is seventh all-time in career passing yardage. He surpassed Dan Marino. He threw 58 passes against the Jaguars. He had 37 in the first half. He was on track to break the record Drew Bledsoe set 1994 in an overtime win over the Minnesota Vikings. So finished with 58. Only had only 389 yards. He led all quarterbacks for week six with passing yards, but it works out to 6.7 yards per attempt when you throw 58 passes, but three touchdowns, no picks, passer rating of 107.6, and got what they needed to win. They're 3-2-1. and one. Right. They were left for dead after the first couple weeks of the season. Crazy. They're 3-2-1. They're in position to win the division, make it to the and to vindicate me because I had them making it to the AFC championship game. They're going to hang another AFC finalist banner this year, in my estimation. That dream is still, still alive. alive. That banner is still Ice. relevant. He's tough. Let's He's hanging a, in there. Let's take a break. No glue factory yet for Matt Ryan. We'll take a break. More <laughs> PFT Live presented by Google Pixel right after this. Some news that broke during the program, courtesy of Field Yates of ESPN. The Chiefs have restructured Travis Kelsey's contract, converted the remainder of his base salary to a signing bonus, and that has freed up $3.455 million in cap space. They were just under $500,000 in wiggle room, so now they're up near $4 million. And yeah, right. You just OBJ. lost the game. Right, right. OBJ floating right. around. And, yeah. and again, if you don't get him, maybe they will. The team that just beat you will end up with him. So you better go snatch him while you can. I, that, that's right. I, I mean, again, I think both of those teams should go get him too. You know, I, I, I don't, you know, they, they could both justify, okay, we could use another weapon. But man, when I saw that, Mike, I, it's the, I, just the first thing that came to my mind. I know there's interest there, you know, from both sides. So that's where it's it's it will be interesting. We knew there was interest there last year with OBJ in the sweepstakes. So um, yeah, I, I that's the first thing I thought of. OBJ, another weapon. Man, we just lost to the Bills. We got to do something else to help our team out. We heard Aaron Rodgers say it last week. He's not healthy yet. We've heard others say that. I think Jalen Ramsey. He's not healthy yet. So what? If you right. want him, you better go get him. If this guy is going to transform your chances and lift you to a higher level, like he did for the Rams last year, you sign him before he's healthy. That's not hard to figure out, Chris. And whoever is willing to make that move, and it may be the Chiefs, is going to benefit from it in the long haul. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, get him in there. Get him going. Let him get in shape. You just want him for the last few weeks of the regular season to hit it home for the playoffs. We're done. We'll see you tomorrow. Have see a ya. Good day. That was a good show today.